0: Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. In this week's podcast, we are joined by freelance journalist and trainer Amadeep Bassi to discuss best practices and common mistakes around reporting on race and religion. But before we jump in, let me remind you that our NewsRide conference has been announced for the 27th of November at Reuters in London. You have until the 5th of May to take advantage of our early bird offer, which will save you £50. Book now for your chance to win a Sennheiser memory mic.
1: That would be a start, so to speak. To be aware, you are probably carrying some unconscious biases and to be aware of that in in making sure these unconscious biases aren't directing your interaction with whoever you're speaking to.
0: So that is Amadeep, and he has spent around 25 years as an investigative journalist in what is frequently seen as one of the multicultural hubs of the UK, Birmingham. As a journalist trainer, he is aiming to help educate and better equip reporters with some key insights and appreciations to report outside of their traditional beats and patches. It is something he goes into detail about why it is important for journalists to establish contacts outside of their comfort zones and safety nets, but they need to be wary of how they do it and the potential perils and pitfalls awaiting them.
1: Going into more and more different communities out of your comfort zone or out of your expertise can only make you a better journalist. And by the same token, just being a journalist of color, if that Asian journalist isn't a good journalist, full stop, just your background isn't going to get you good journalism. So the whole purpose of this ultimately is to make people better journalists and to open up a whole new world of stories. I mean, we all know the ethnic population in this country is steadily growing. Uh, The demographics show that it's a a younger population. Uh, And another thing to remember also is that most, certainly second and third generation BME community members are most likely born in this country, raised in this country. You know, they're not foreigners, they're not visitors. And so you'll be surprised how much you have in common with this seemingly alien community. than you think these are the things I'm trying to bring into the fore that are basically mainly about instilling confidence, because certainly from a lot of my peers and colleagues I've spoken to over the years, they've always felt this apprehension being sent out into you know, a place where, you know, there's particularly high concentration of an ethnic community, just purely because they feel that, you know, these people are inverted commas, foreigners, and that they're going to have to adapt in certain ways, and it's going to be difficult. Well, yes, there is going to be a bit of adapting to be done, but chances are that the people that you'll be interacting with are as British as you are, certainly as far as their, you know, background is concerned, and their values, and, and the way they're brought on.
0: So what are the ways in which journalists, editors and news organisations as a whole have got this wrong? Amity points to a recent story in Birmingham which gained national prominence around the teaching of equality and in particular an LGBT module in primary local schools which would be children aged between 4 and 11. He claims there was a lot lost in translation and here is how they got it wrong.
1: That didn't go down too well with a lot of Muslim parents. I mean, these schools that are carrying this course, it's called No Outsiders, are located in very Muslim areas. Some of these schools have got something like 95% Muslim children. And even though the parents have protested quite regularly and have gone out of their way to continually say this is not about homophobia. We don't have anything against gay people. We just don't think the age, it's age appropriate. We don't think our children should be... Um, should be learning about these things at such an early age because it confuses them. Yet the press coverage and the attitude certainly of those who are very much pro-teaching LGBT issues to children that age has framed it into an argument of, well, here we have these Muslim parents, this is all about homophobia, despite, as I said, the parents certainly publicly going out of their way to say it isn't. Uh, And certainly somebody who's reported out of Birmingham for the last 25 years particularly on sort of crime and extremism. One of the observations I've made certainly is that this whole campaign from the parents, you know, they've protested and taken their children out of school, they've been very careful to keep the extremist element out. Yet the argument generally and the opinion that this is all about homophobia without even attempting to understand, the media has kind of mimicked this into a us versus them. And and we're kind of boring in in some media coverage with the kind of an attitude of, well, This is how it's done in England. If you don't like it, then, you know, go back to where you came from almost. The fact is, and which has been overlooked by the media, and I think a lot of the people actually involved in in this whole controversy is that in Islam and in Sikhism, uh, religion and politics are are the same. You cannot have one without the other. So there is no separation. So, for instance, you know, some of the commentary pieces I've read in the media or some of the comments I've heard is that, well, you know, why don't these parents keep their religion at home? This is Mm -hmm. school. That's separate. The fact is, it's not separate as far as the religion is concerned. And then also there's a, a centering on the nuances is, is, is there is a kind of conflating sometimes between religion and culture, for instance, say honour killing. That is almost equated as a Muslim thing or a, as an Islamic thing. Whereas the truth of it is, is that nowhere in either religion does it condone that or talk about that. All that entails is a cultural, tribal thing which came before religion um, and so it's very easy to conflate cultural traditions from religious traditions, but there is a difference.
0: And so, just to join the dots, how could a more informed journalist have done this correctly? How could they have handled that story better, and what impact could that have had?
1: What journalists could have done, or should, you know, could try to do, was a bit more as a sort of, of, of an understanding of the Parents side, I mean certainly as far as the school is concerned and and the mainstream is concerned It's quite clear what mainstream people in this country or in the West think about LGBT issues in this day and age Whereas the the parent side has been very kind of one-dimensional and The undertone being that the reason the parents don't like it is because it's homophobia They just don't like gay people rather than trying to actually understand. Well, where would this? Supposed hatred or you know rejection of gay people come from? Is it in the scriptures? Why is that there? Giving a bit more weight to their argument, I suppose. And mm. what that causes is obviously the the, the community that you then speaking to will just switch off, saying, "Well, whatever I say, I'm not being reported properly. These journalists have already got there. What they would perceive as uh, you know biases when." with all you know with all these kind of rows the bottom line always is that you're never going to get anywhere without dialogue and finding a middle ground and again in this instance here you've got two minorities Muslims and LGBT community sort of pitted against each other when you know you would think the two have a lot of things in common in that you know that there is that otherness about the other two they are both minorities and so these kind of media portrayals almost lazy journalism i would say where it's presented as black and white you know this side versus that side rather than explaining the middle ground in between because at the end of the day it is a british problem it's not a british asian problem or a black british problem and that goes with any kind of reporting with bme communities i mean again just to take an example if you have any asian festival say vasaki or Diwali. The general media portrayal is, is very descriptive. It's about the vibrant colours and, and, and how lovely everyone looks and, and, and whatever, with very little explanation as to what exactly is the meaning of the festival. Why do they celebrate this? How does it affect them you know, in the UK as British Sikhs or as British um, Muslims? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So these are day-to-day kinks that could be ironed out, but what about further up the chain of command? How is change needed at an editorship level and in the wider newsroom?
1: The fact is, simply employing more black or brown journalists isn't the solution. Certainly as a journalist myself, it's always been a struggle for me in trying to write these complex stories and A, trying to keep my contact happy, but also trying to keep a news desk that is often ignorant about these issues happy. And I think the trick there is, certainly what I've learned, is to be transparent at all times and the, and the news desk needs to realise that that it's not all black and white and that there will be contradictions And to be able to kind of bear that in mind, one thing I would definitely tell young journalists uh, or any journalist actually reporting out of these BME communities is to be completely transparent with both your contacts and your news desk. Don't lie to please the other, which is a fault I fell into in my early days where it was a case of, well, you know, I've got to keep both these parties happy. And and the the problem always more so was an ignorant news desk who wanted that quick hit, ticked that box without really realising the ramifications of that. Get your journalists out there to go out and mix in as many different communities as possible because that will only make them better journalists. Don't be tempted to pigeonhole, well, right, we need to have a brown journalist and we will send him to all the brown stories because, as I said, you've got to be a good journalist and these schools can be taught. There are some basic things that a lot of journalists just don't know, basic misconceptions. What's the difference between a, a Sikh and a Muslim? What are the different sects of Islam? Again, you've got a very new kind of Middle East and North African Muslim setting into this country. They have very little in common with the long established Pakistani uh, Muslim community. I mean, and, and there are these inter-ethnic community tensions. It's more a case of you've got these separate areas and they will, they will tolerate each other. And sometimes things go wrong. I mean, back in 2005 in Birmingham, we had three nights of rioting, where uh, the Asian community and members of the black community were at logheads. And that all came about through pirate radio stations, started putting out a rumor saying a, a black girl had been gang raped by Muslim men in the shop. The police investigated, there was nothing to it. Yet the, these rumors led to three days of rioting and two deaths, which at the time was very underreported. And journalists, certainly the London media, were, were to to class them as race riots because... As far as London media is concerned, well, you can only have race riot if it's black versus white, whereas, you know, that's not always the case. And again, if you had journalists at that time who realised the dynamics that are going on here and are brave enough to say that it isn't all sweet and, you know, everyone getting along here, it would have probably helped to make sure that those things weren't repeated.
0: So as a white journalist, as someone who wants to lend my voice to stories of equality, diversity, representation, the communities around us. What I really wanted to come onto, admittedly for my own progression, as much as for this podcast, are his best approaches for talking to and reporting on different communities. How do you break the ice and strike the right tone?
1: I've certainly noticed that in the last five, ten years or so, uh, people like myself or of my generation are now sort of talking themselves up as community leaders and they are aware and a lot of the journalists that are going to come and report on our communities don't know anything about our communities and therefore not maybe not always deliberately but they will be confident that they can mislead a journalist knowing full well that this journalist won't have the confidence or the knowledge to be able to challenge me and that's what I want to give back to the journalist in that at least give give every journalist a basic understanding so that they won't be fobbed off very easily or will be able to question. Ultimately, as journalists, journalism is about understanding human nature, or a lot of it is. The same techniques you might use to get somebody to talk in any environment will also work in BME community. does all boil down to the basics. If you speak to somebody respectfully, kind of humble way, be human, be interested, that translates to whatever community you're, you're speaking to. And I suppose it is trying to take away some of that well. I'm going into an alien community, Um, and that kind of apprehension. Almost, I want to sort of emphasise the fact: is you're not going to another community; you're going to another aspect of your own British community. This is a British community. This isn't a British Asian or a British Muslim. And I suppose be aware of those differences, but don't be overwhelmed by those differences. Don't think those differences must be pointed out. Rather than pointing out the differences, try and concentrate or emphasise the similarities.
0: But basically, Amadeep said, "Less is more. The trick is to stop considering it any differently than any other interview or story scenario."
1: If I want you to talk, I must give you a good reason as to why you should talk to me. Uh, and, and so, it is a case of being totally honest. This is the angle I'm taking. This is why I'm here. I am genuinely interested. Tell me everything, warts and all. But at the same time, it's a case of I suppose when when you go into these communities, don't there's this kind of notion that you can go to a community leader. And he will give you everything that you need, and that almost certainly, from my interactions with people in these communities, is they think it smacks of the old colonial days. Get the community leader on board, and everyone will fall into line. It is patronising, and the fact, the real fact is, is that the second and third generation BAME community don't work like that. There isn't this focal community leader, or there may be, but he's not. He doesn't carry anywhere near the influence that journalists might think he does, Or or he certainly doesn't speak. On behalf of all the community. It's very difficult to have somebody who can really call themselves a community leader of the Muslims because within that Muslim community you're going to have African Muslims, you're going to have Middle Eastern Muslims, you're going to have Salafi Muslims, Diobandi Muslims and the various sects of Islam you have and they all have their differences because they feel important because you've come to talk to them and sort them out they then can quite often have their own agenda their own internal power struggles with other so-called community leaders, and they will use the media to settle their own scores, or put out their own messages, or to, or to badmouth somebody. Because again, as sad as it is, community leaders are often people who have uh, civic uh, positions or are involved in in community affairs where you know funding is required. Etc. Cetera, et cetera, And so raising their own profile will help them gain funding for whatever they're doing or will take funding away from a group that they don't get on with. For your average reporter, it's very difficult to, to work out, well, who's telling the truth here? Who's, whose agenda is who's here? I'm, I'm not saying ignore these community leaders because some of the community leaders emerge organically they just become community leaders and the way you'll find them is by as always as is the case with journalism generally is talk to the ordinary man and as I said it's as the journalist is for you to give them a reason as to why they should speak to you because a lot of people from these communities will, will be automatically suspicious uh, but they'll be as curious as the journalist well what is this journalist about why is he asking me these questions He's, he seems interested and and Uh, Again, with any contact, it's not a case of, well, I only call them when I need them.
0: And are there any key tips to breaking into these so-called communities, getting your foot in the door and showing that you are not there simply for the smash and grab story, to put a microphone under someone's nose for your next byline, that you care about the context and getting the story right?
1: There's more to be said for an ordinary person vouching for you as a journalist than a community leader vouching for a journalist. For instance, if I knock on a door, and I managed to persuade a ordinary person from that community to talk to me, somebody who's generally known in the community as being suspicious and anti-press or whatever. And you managed to break down a few of those barriers. His word of mouth to say, well, that journalist all right. is worth much more than a community leader. And, and so, again, it is about really getting into the real people and they will tell you what the truth is. Use them as the springboard rather than the community leader. OK, the roads might lead back to a community leader, but... You know, um, don't necessarily start with a community leader in, in the same way that you might not necessarily, if you're doing a story on crime of some kind, you, you don't necessarily want to start with a, a call to the press office at Westmidden's police because yeah. you know you'll get the standard line from them. You want to go out and knock some doors at the crime scene first and get the wider picture, and then go to the community leader or the so called source of authority. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing the bigger picture first, be relaxed not to be daunted and the only way you can do that is if, if you are confident in your own knowledge that I do know that you know what a Sikh believes in, I do know the difference between uh, what is uh, a Sikh religious stance and what is a cultural stance uh, and I do understand that you know when this talk person talks about honour killing I shouldn't just screw my face and say well how backward and how dare you what is this honour stuff about that there is however warped it might seem in your opinion there is a tradition for it to properly engage and then, yes, do question, but only question once you have got a basic understanding of the facts yourself.
0: And to end on a more positive afterthought, if we address these issues and right these wrongs, what could be the desired or anticipated outcome? Where could this take us as an industry?
1: You know, all media want is people to to read uh, and and go to their websites and, and, and engage with them. And just opens up so many doors and a whole new world of stories and with such an international angle. I mean, things that happen here on the streets of Birmingham have reverberations thousands of miles away in, in Punjab or in Pakistan or in Sri Lanka. And to be able to kind of join those dots up and make it relevant okay. to everybody, it kind of breaks down this otherness. I mean, even the fact that we have a label, BAME communities, you know, I'm talking about unconscious yeah. bias. We have these labels you know, we talk about it's very easily banded around this phase phase of othering people, but it's you know you have to be conscious that there is this othering. I am reporting on yeah, not really on good. a BME community, but I am reporting on a, another facet of British society. That's the mindset that every journalist needs to go into. We talk about you know the, the sort of main communities, you know, uh, black, Asian. People often forget that you know one of the fastest growing uh, ethnic labels or communities, uh, and not just in Britain, but across Europe, possibly across the world, is, is mixed race. You know, we talk about Black Britain and White Britain, but the truth is, it's going to be a beige Britain, for want of a better word, and yet this section of community is never even acknowledged in any way. And yet again, you know, it's not a case of, well, here's another box that we must cater to and, and have special provisions for. No, they're just another aspect of British community that we have a duty to report on all communities. But by the same token, you shouldn't be doing this only because you have a social duty, but also because as I keep going back to it, it will make you a better journalist.
0: Incredible insights from Amadeep and I'll try my best to put some of his advice into practice. I wanna thank him very much for taking the time to speak to me and of course, all of you at home or on the commute for tuning in. Before I leave you though, I'm gonna pass you over to Jasmine from our courses board who has some brilliant opportunities that she'd love to share with you. Want to start making your own videos for social media? Join our one day creating social video workshop to find out how to shoot and edit films specifically for Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It takes place on the 24th of June in central London. You can find out more at journalism.co.uk slash S43. So that's all we have time for this week. Don't forget, if you'd like to feature on one of our podcasts, do drop us a message on Twitter at journalism news. But that's all from me this week. Until next time.